Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Dr. Psych Mom Show, recorded in my car, in case any of you notice any differences. Um, like the rain. <laughs> I don't know what you can hear or what you can't hear. I assume it's going to be fine. And if not, there's a million other episodes you could listen to. Um, all right, so what does depression look like? Well, I mean, a lot of people think that it looks like you being sad and crying or possibly just like laying around and being apathetic. While, yes, those can be key parts of depression, there are plenty of other aspects of depression that lay people do not know and therefore cannot get the diagnoses that could potentially help them. So today, that is what we are going to talk about. Right before that, though, I will tell you to subscribe because if you subscribe, you get over like 125 other episodes, most recently, what to do and why your wife refuses to go back to work. Um, that was the most recent one. I also have oral sex on women, which is always a hit. And like, oh, so many others. Really, it's six, no, $5.99 a month and you get a shitload of episodes. So you should probably do that. Um, okay, so recently I posted something on depression, other, you know, more obscure signs that you're depressed. And I may even have done a podcast on this, but I honestly, it's like, who cares? You know, I mean, <laughs> this shit is like important and it doesn't matter how many episodes I would have as long as it helps somebody and with more episodes, more people understand what depression really is because it affects so many of us. So first of all, depression is not just laying around and like crying all the time. That's that is a very big misconception. What else can depression look like? Depression can look like anger. This is a super big one to understand. Irritability, impatience and anger. And if you're a parent, it isn't like you're a bad person if you're an angry parent. I mean, you got to work on it, but it doesn't mean that you're like a bad person. It probably means that you're struggling with untreated depression. And you know what? This could really help you understand your childhood because depression has a huge heritability component. And if your parents were always assholes and they were always angry, well, likely they were depressed too and undiagnosed the same as you're undiagnosed, even more undiagnosed <laughs> because they weren't listening to this episode and it was a previous generation where mental health was not really talked about. So it can look like anger, irritability, snapping at people, thinking everybody's a stupid idiot. You know, like if you go around saying things like, why is everybody so stupid? Why is everybody so incompetent? Why does nobody know how to do anything? Well, you know what? Like who's the common denominator in these situations? It's you and you're being judgmental and irritable and everyone isn't stupid. When it feels like everyone is stupid, a, you're likely depressed, and B, you also learned a super negative, judgmental style from growing up in a house where people probably said the exact same thing that, quote, everybody is stupid or useless or incompetent or inefficient or anything, really. All right, so rage, not being able to control your anger, lashing out, irritability, impatience, any of these negativity toward other people, judgmentalness, all of this stuff relates to depression. What else? When you are tired all the time, people are not supposed to be tired all the time. So some people are like, well, I don't sleep. 
you know, I get up in the middle of the night like a million times or like I can't sleep or I wake up too early because of, you know, like I just jump out of bed with like my heart racing. So that's, you know, so it explains why I'm tired. All you're telling me is you have more symptoms of depression (laughs) and probably anxiety too. So like if you are up and down all night and you can't sleep and your sleep is broken and terrible or like you're like ruminating at night and so you can't even get to sleep or you jerk awake thinking of all the things you have to do, that is more evidence that you're depressed, not less. Bad sleep is a symptom of depression. And the resulting fatigue is also a symptom of depression. And it may not even be as related as you think because a feeling called leaden paralysis when your arms and legs just feel heavy and you just want to just, you know, burrow into the couch in a blanket for the whole night, that too is a symptom of depression. What else is a symptom? Rejection sensitivity, particularly for women who are depressed, who have atypical depression. So I know I did post some podcasts on that. So just Google atypical depression on my site or just search it on my site or my podcast. By the way, Spotify has a much better system now where if you go to my podcast in the Spotify app, not the browser, the app on your phone or the app on your computer, then they have like literally you can search within a podcast for a term. And so that's how I'm finding all my podcasts now, my own personal podcast, which I was previously really unable to do in a funny, ironic thing, I was not really able to find them either, nor were you. But now there's a search engine, so that's good. Um, Anyway, so rejection sensitivity is a big one. So if you think everybody's judging you, if your husband is like, what are we having for dinner? And you burst into tears and you say, what does that mean? You don't think that I'm a good wife? You know, then either you get in your period, which is, you know, real, or you have rejection sensitivity for depression, from depression rather. This is very common and people do not understand it. Rejection sensitivity is not only a symptom of depression. It can be part of ADHD or like by borderline personality or whatever, various other things. Anxiety makes people like super sensitive to any sort of judgment. But real rejection sensitivity, you know why? Because your sensitivity to all hurt is, is more like, so physical pain, when you are depressed, it goes along with physical pain. So that's the next symptom I'm going to say, but you know, I'll, I'll just say it now. So physical pain, like body pain, migraine, IBS, back pain, muscle pain, all this shit is, is tied to depressive symptomatology. So when your depressive symptoms go up, your physical pain goes up. Well, so does your social pain. When I was, um, in grad school in my doctorate, or was it, no, that was my master's. I did this analog, this laboratory analog of rejection sensitivity, which was this little game, Cyberball. And I used this in my master's thesis um, research, which was actually on smoking cessation, but I was on like rejection sensitivity and, and whether like for people with different levels of rejection sensitivity, the peer um, support would be more or less important in quitting smoking. Anyway, I barely even remember this. That might not even be right. This was eons ago. But anyhow, it was like literally how long, like close to two decades ago. I probably did that when I was like 26. I'm 42. I don't know math. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Point is, Cyberball is an analog of laboratory, an laboratory analog of social rejection and social ostracism. 
developed by Kip Williams. See, I remember, it all comes, it's like riding a bike. Developed by Kip Williams, who was in Australia. Uh, that was a researcher that developed Cyberball. So you're like in a little room online, which was a very, very um, simplistic thing. It was like everybody was a circle, and then the ball was a circle, and I think you had arms, but you may not have even had arms. And basically what happens is the game can be set to ostracize you. So you think you're playing a, like, uh, this game of catch with people from different labs, but in reality you're not. And so after you throw to somebody, they basically never throw back to you again. And so some people take that really hard, even though they're just a circle, you know, and, um, I'm sure that you guys can understand that, you know, like with your kids and stuff, like you have some kids that like, that would like be the end of the fucking day. They would burst into tears. Well, those people are high in rejection sensitivity and depression leads to higher rejection sensitivity. So it is, um, borderline personality and other things that I mentioned, ADHD, etc. But anyway, so if your rejection sensitivity is high and you think everybody hates you, everybody's judging you, basically all of judgment. If you're judgmental or you feel everybody else is, that's something to think about as a potential symptom of depression. What else? Creativity. When your creativity goes into the shitter, then you're most likely in a depressive episode if, if any of these other symptoms are there. Or if it's like, tied to like also cynicism like sometimes people are like yeah I mean like I could like write like a book or something not a book a book is a big deal so let's say like I could really do this interesting thing at work in my powerpoint but fuck everybody nobody even cares nobody would even notice so like sometimes like a lack of creativity like you don't even like realize that it's because your ass cannot think of some interesting thing to put into the powerpoint really you just like are so cynical and judgmental that you assume that you're not being creative because of like some other reason but when you really look at it you don't really have any good ideas to put into your powerpoint anyway because your creativity is down because your depressive symptomatology is up another one that is interesting is people stop really liking music because the parts of your brain again that are like into i don't know art appreciation uh, you know like creativity again just feelings like music evokes a lot of feelings and when you're depressed it's not often that you're just sad you're also feeling really flat you know and like um what we call like blunted affect like you you can't really you don't respond contingently you don't smile a lot you don't really like get upset like super upset a lot like you're just kind of flatlining it and so music feels like kind of stupid novels feel kind of stupid you can't really get invested in any of the characters because you don't really give a shit empathy goes down so that relates to the next one which is like a lack of empathy so it's like you're looking at your kid and your kid is crying over something and you just don't really feel anything then you're like what am i a psychopath if or you think well that's because my kid's kind of an asshole anyway you know no it's because you're depressed most likely and of course, everything links to everything. So you're likelier to be depressed if your parents were depressed. And if your parents were depressed, they were likelier to not show you empathy. So then everything snowballs and rolls downhill, right? So then your kid is more likely not to show their kid empathy. So this is why you've got to get treated for depression. 
does treatment always work? And what do I even mean by treatment? By the, the best outcomes come from both therapy and medication together. Medication, common medications for depression include SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, meaning that there's more serotonin that stays in the synapses and bathes your neurons, you know, in, in serotonin, which is the neurotransmitter that leads to a feeling of satiation and kind of contentment. So selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors include Zoloft, Prozac, right? Um, but there are other ones like Wellbutrin is, I think, it's either an SNRI or an NDRI, whatever. There's serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. Those are the neurotransmitters that we think are implicated in depression, right? Because everybody's uh, theories are always like, we, people think this, but nobody's exactly sure, you know, why any of this stuff works for depression. That's not just me not knowing things. Like, that's like literally what psychiatrists say because, because we need to get further in our understanding of these theories behind the biological underpinnings of depression. Anyway, so there's other ones like Wellbutrin, there's people take Cymbalta, that's for also the people that have like pain associated with their depression. There's like a million things to try. Um, they do, many of them do have side effects. That's the reality, you know, and there's also mood stabilizers for people who also have personality disorders or who have bipolar. There's like, there are a million things to try and you should really be seeing a psychiatrist, not just your GP because your GP is not a specialist in, in these psychotropic drugs. Psychotropic means um, medications for psychological disorders, right? So you, you should be talking to a psychiatrist that's a specialist. Um, people say they can't find a psychiatrist, literally Google psychiatrist near me, or a lot of them are on psychologytoday.com. I don't have any prescribers working for me because I'm a psychologist. That's talk therapy. I don't prescribe nor do any of my people. Maybe one day I'll hire somebody at Best Life, but right now I am not. Either way, a psychiatrist would be a good fit for that and for the therapy portion, which can help you understand the psychological underpinnings due to whether it's your upbringing, which is always implicated, and your current functioning, understanding yourself better, developing coping skills, alternate ways to deal with people such that your your depression doesn't poison your relationships, you know, and really developing self-compassion, a different worldview, challenging your cognitions. De uh, depression makes you think everything is shitty and so is everyone. There's something called the depressive cognitive triad, meaning that you have negative thoughts about self, world, and future when you're depressed, and therapy can really help you challenge those. So my, my, my point here is therapy plus medication works for many. For the people that have terrible side effects with medication, usually highly sensitive people, I myself have had like basically every side effect you could possibly have to any medication that I've tried, so it doesn't really work. Um, therapy can then help on its own. There are also, there are people that other things work for. TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation exercise regimes, uh, there's hormonal issues. So functional or integrative doctors can tell you if there are hormonal issues, thyroid issues. Like th there's a lot of things. As, as If you're a woman getting up to perimenopause, very few of us, and that's in your 40s, go back to how women's brains and bodies change in their 40s. That's a podcast that I've recorded that you can find with a Spotify search engine. Um, but anyway, like a lot of us women that are um, in the earliest stages of perimenopause when your cycles are either shortening or lengthening or whatever, you just feel kind of different. Depression is, is hugely associated with hormones, particularly for women, but really no, just for everybody because when men have low T, they're depressed as shit too. So um, 
you know, you, you gotta like do everything you can. I have posts on treatment resistant depression and like how to conceive of that and what to do instead. But the point is the, the let, let's not put the cart before the horse. Like if you're listening to this, you may be like, oh shit, being like not creative, not wanting to listen to music and thinking that everybody's an asshole is depression. Well then fuck, I really have depression. So we don't know. Like you may not even have known that until this instant. So we have no idea what could help you. So your first plan of attack schedule the therapist a therapist is somebody like a psychologist a social worker a licensed professional counselor etc and with either a psychiatrist or if you want your first pass to be your gp then do that but don't do nothing don't don't like listen to this and be like uh that's uncomfortably familiar but i think what i'm gonna do what my parents have taught me to do uh you know in my what what my childhood motto was growing up was just ignore shit you know if it makes you feel uncomfortable that you know will probably work no it won't that's why you're in this position so if any of this resonated with you or describes your spouse or describes your child get help try to fucking work on things in a different way than just ignoring them That's what you owe, maybe not to yourself, like maybe you don't care about yourself right now because you're depressed, but definitely for your kids, maybe for your spouse, maybe that's still a motivator, but definitely for your kids is is you really want to work on depression as much as you can for the sake of your children in whatever way that means to you, right? So, I mean, not, not, there's a million ways to skin a cat right? So, so some things work for some and some things don't work for others, but at least knowing that you may be depressed is half the battle. Another one, which I realized as I was talking to you, was motivation. When people are depressed, they have a real lack of motivation. So it's a catch-22. That's why exercise doesn't work. Frequently, like, like there's all these people who are, like, real good at exercise. God bless them. And uh, they're like, oh, you know, I keep my depression at bay with exercising. Yeah, that's because you're in fucking good shape, man. So, you know, like, <laughs> like it, it's, when somebody has been on the couch for, like, six months straight and they feel like fatigue and lead in paralysis. Sometimes they really need an antidepressant to get them to a place where they can even get off the couch to even take the fucking walk around the block. I mean, I hear you. Of course, exercise is good for depression. Sure. And that feels impossible. It would be like saying, you know what would really be motivating? Why don't you like just go schedule a TED Talk? Like you would present it and that would make you feel really excited and then that would probably help your depression. It's like, what? Like I can't even like figure out which brand of chips I want. Like, you know, I'm going to like like fucking like become like a famous person giving TED Talks. I bet it really would help my depression. So would running a marathon and also fuck you because like I'm sitting here on the couch. So, you know, you, you got to start where you're at. And for many people, they need like that infusion of a little bit of energy psychotropically from a medication. And as I make my chip uh, analogy, I most recently discussed in a podcast, it wasn't most recent for you guys to hear it, but it was one of the most recent ones I, um, I either recorded or heard myself saying. Anyway, decision fatigue. When you can't figure shit out, when you don't know what you want for dinner all the time, and you're blaming that on your husband, making you do emotional labor, that's not emotional labor. If you can't figure out what you want for dinner, that, that's a you problem, and that's depression. Decision fatigue is a big aspect of depression. And I have all the um, 
you know, all the empathy in the world, but like, don't blame the fact that you can't make a decision on anything that isn't depression or probably, or possibly ADHD. The thing about going to a psychiatrist, by the way, versus your GP is they can really assess you and figure out what's going on. They could do a full eval and figure out, is it depression? Is it ADHD? Is it uh, bipolar two? Is it borderline personality? Like what's the fuck is going on? Because if you are not happy and you've kind of really not been happy for a while, there may be a million things at play and you're not an expert, you know? So figure it out. A psychiatrist can do that. A psychologist can also do that, but then a psychologist can prescribe. So I'm trying to make things like as easy for you as possible. Psychologists can give a full neuropsych evaluation for like ADHD, figure out if you're like depressed, anxious, like what? But like a psychiatrist can do that and then you leave with like a prescription that day. So while you would think I would be advertising, you know, therapy more, um, the reality is, is that if you're deeply struggling with depression, I have seen um, medication work quicker. You know, it certainly works quicker than therapy for the people it works for. Now, that's not to say there's not a role for psychotherapy, like, or I'd be world's biggest idiot because I've devoted my life to this. This is my career. But like, if you literally cannot get off the couch, your first step should be the psychiatrist. It really should not be the therapist. And they'll tell you if they're, if they're worth their salt, they'll say you should also be in therapy. And that's when you could get into therapy. You know, but like, I, I mean, this is the damn truth. Like, I mean, we're not even talking about ADHD, but let's just like do like a tiny little um, segue into that. If you're struggling with ADHD, the number one thing that works is medication from anything that I've seen. People are just a different person. It, it's like almost immediate. Like they, they're just like, holy fuck, like I can do shit. Whoa, like I got so much done today. Therapy does not do that for you. Therapy can help you with the low self-esteem associated with ADHD. It can help you understand why your wife thinks that you're a super big prick, you know, and what to say to her instead and how to deal with yourself with self-compassion and how not to be a dick to your kid who's triggering you because he has ADHD too and maybe how to get laid every few weeks, you know, like what your wife probably doesn't want to do if you have untreated ADHD. Lots of stuff. I find my, my field to be very valuable. But does it literally help your brain to have different different wiring instantly? No. Over time, over time, yeah. But not like pills do. So so let's be reasonable. All right. I uh, hope that y'all got something out of this and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye, guys.